Hey, 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 y'all. This is Celeste back here with season four, podcast three. Today we are talking insecure, condola, and single motherhood. So first of all, um, Princess Penny and Issa Rae have this unique ability to really invoke emotion out of me that I normally do not have when I watch TV or watch anything that's fiction or just period. Um, But there are several episodes throughout the tenure of this series that have really shaken me to my core, and this was one of them. Um, I'm really going to miss this fucking show when it goes off because they really know how to get to the heart of things. Um, one thing I noticed um, about this episode, first and foremost, I spent pretty much the entire last episode detailing my experiences being a single mother and just being very transparent about some of the things I feel um, are very, very crucial to my experience as a single mother and to a lot of the other women I know that are also single mothers. And today what I want to talk about is I kind of want to do an extension. I'm going to frame this through Insecure, Condola, um, and single motherhood. But I kind of want to talk again and just in a more expansive way about mental health um, and self-care. And just generally speaking, the support systems that many single mothers um, inevitably end up having to support on because, or, you know, rely on because of various different things that are happening in their lives. Um, so let's just start at the very beginning. So this is going to be, this has plenty of spoilers. So if you haven't watched the third episode of season five of Insecure yet, you might want to hold off listening to this podcast because I'm about to just basically lay it all out and really dive in there. So first things first, um... The way the episode opens up, uh, they have done this really cool thing where they're kind of jumping through time this season where they've, you know, they've gone forward a year in advance. And we open up the episode with Lawrence in a suit with a fucking fresh haircut, which we, you know, when we first saw Lawrence, Lawrence was, bless his heart, a fucking scrub, literally laying on that raggedy ass couch in that podunk ass apartment, no job, no ambition, nothing. Um, so now we see him, he's like, you know, in San Francisco, a tech god, he's like, you know, a CEO, he's, you know, whatever, not a CEO, but like high up in some company doing, um, you know, tech tech work, basically, which is what his background is in. And he is in the suit, he's in a tie. You can tell, because first and foremost, if you know anything about San Francisco, it ain't cheap to litter, baby, you got to have some bread, you got to have some cake. So he's there and he has money and he's doing well for himself and, you know, he looks good. Like I will say this success on a man. There's nothing to me that makes a man sexier is when he, you know, has his shit together and he's really in that space and place where he's really striving to be the best version of himself. So then it fast forwards. He's on a date. He gets a text message. He's like, shit. He's like, my fucking baby is just born. And that's when it starts to kind of click to me. I'm like, okay. So I was like, so for the most part, if they're texting, she's in labor. She's shooting him a text. He has not really been there for the duration of this pregnancy. So, you know, she's in Los Angeles. He's in San Francisco. Um, the two are certainly not close together. Definitely a flight away for sure. Um, so he goes and he sees his baby for the first time. And just the general perception that her family has of Lawrence, her mom and her sister, who's played by Kiki Palmer, you can tell Lawrence has not really been there in the traditional sense. Now, when we left off last season, we saw that he got this job. So he has, you know, he got a job in San Francisco. That was a point of contention between him and Issa as well. But Issa kind of was like, you know, I want you to go take your job, whatever the case is. Then he finds out that he got his ex-girlfriend, Condola, pregnant. Um, so he takes the job anyways, which for me, there I think there's been a lot of debate. Like, he shouldn't have taken this job. He should have stayed. I'm like, well, 
I don't know, because the thing is, is like, I understand from a very unique and financial perspective, when you have a child, you need to have you some fucking bread, period, 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 period. Got to have you some cake. So if he's taking this job for the purpose of like, you know, him being able to increase his funds, increases his net worth, whatever the case is, be more financially secure and independent, then I can totally understand that. Um, Condola, because he takes the job, I seemingly, we don't see this in the series and I hope they expand on this some more. Seemingly, she has walked through her entire pregnancy for the most part alone, probably like giving Lawrence little updates here and there, probably sending him some sonograms, whatever the case is, but he has not been a physical presence, mostly because he is in a completely different city. I'm sure he's checked in with her a couple of times because you see as he becomes a father, he goes and he like buys a crib and stuff and he seemingly wants to be a father and wants to be a part of the child's life. Obviously, he's a city away. He's hundreds of miles, thousands of miles. I don't know, like, you know, miles and miles away. So he can't really physically be there all the time, which leads me to my next point. Uh, motherhood, in the conventional sense, when you have a man there with you, is very difficult. And it's made exponentially more difficult when you do not have the other parent there with you. That is just the facts. We can skate around that all we want. As someone who highly and critically attaches themselves to feminism and womanism, that's just the facts. When the other parent is not there, the entire burden of raising the child falls on the mother. And if it's not the entire burden of raising the child, it's pretty much the fucking majority. And that's just the facts. So we can see right off the bat, especially when you have a newborn, that shit is tough. Um, I remember the sleep deprivation that I experienced when I first had my daughter. And uh, you saw that all up in all up in Condola's experiences with her just generally being exhausted. You know, she's breastfeeding as well, too. So it's just it's a lot. Um, I remember those days. Those are that type of exhaustion is something that my body will never forget. The only other time I felt an exhaustion similar to that was when I was pledging when I was a senior in college. <laughs> Um, and that, that shit there, that sleep deprivation, when you have a child and you have a newborn and they're waking up, especially when they're like brand spanking new and they're waking up every couple of minutes or not minutes, but every couple of hours. Um, there's nothing like that. There's nothing like that. And even when my child pretty much for like the first year and a half that she was, you know, alive, her dad was there and even with him being there, the mother still does the brunt of the work, especially because especially, you know, if you're breastfeeding, whatever the case, and even if you're not breastfeeding, um, it's a lot. And you saw that all in Condola's face. You saw it all in her posture. You saw it all in her very existence, how tired sis was. And in watching that episode, all of those emotions, that exhaustion, like literally watching, I've watched it like two or three times now. All of that exhaustion just kind of crept back up on me. And I was like, fuck, like, I remember what that feels like. I remember how hard that was for me to cope with that. And just not having, you know, even even with my daughter's father being around, um, the amount of, of tiredness that you feel, the exhaustion, it's unreal. That shit is unreal. And when you're the only person there and the other parent, whatever the case may be, if he's not living with you, if he's not there in the city, whatever the case may be, if he's in a different household, all that falls back on you. Um, the next thing I want to talk about with Condola. First and foremost, I thought this episode, because uh, Condola has been torn up from the very time she got on Insecure when we found out, oh, she's going to meet up somebody on a date. And we find out the nigga she meeting up with is Lawrence. They like, they have... 
torn this woman to shreds, to pieces, to pieces. And I was kind of on that bandwagon, more so not really like the Condola hate train, but I didn't like Lawrence or Condola. So I was just kind of like, ugh. and now, now she's having a baby, but she is, she did, she had a baby. And um, this episode, what I hope it did for so many people watching this show is that I hope it made you feel some sympathy and some empathy for her. And I hope it ultimately just humanized her character because Condola is a new young single mother who's pretty much for the most part, you know, she has the support of Lawrence probably financially and she has the support of him, you know, popping in to take the child and, you know, whatever, like that's just, that's the child's father. That's the baby Elijah's father. But, um, you know, she's a mom now and being a mom is really fucking hard in the best of times and the worst of times. Like people, if you're not a mom, you can never really understand, um, the amount of emotional, physical labor you do to care for another tiny human being that can't do anything for themselves. That's, you know, essentially an extension of you, a little person that you love, but literally like you're the person who's responsible for feeding this child, bathing them, making their getting, making sure they're getting all their nutrients, so on and so forth. And for me, what this episode did, and I hope it did this for so many other people, it made me look at her and be like, damn, like she's really, she's a person, like she's a person with feelings, who has struggles, um, you know, the level of exhaustion that sis felt when, you know, not even, not even the level of exhaustion. We're going to come back to that in a second. <sighs> the level of nervousness that she felt with the baby. Um, and I want to say this about women. I study gender. I study families. I study social stratification. Um, I'm pretty well versed in all these different things. So take my word for it. Women are socialized to be good mothers and there is a deep fear amongst women of what it looks like to be a good mother and to, if you in any way deviate from those norms, what that looks like for you, what that looks like for your child, and what that looks like for the people who are ultimately going to harshly and negatively judge you if you were not a good parent. So people, a lot, I saw a lot of people talking about like, oh, she's nervous. She won't even let him take the child. You know what? That shit is really real though. Because even though my child's father was there, like literally my entire pregnancy, the first like for the most part, maybe a year and a half, like they're in the house with me, there still is a level of nervousness that you feel in trying to take care of your child and this doubt that you have because men are socialized and women are socialized to think this about men. Men are socialized to think that they are not good with children, that they can't handle children. And I think a lot of the time with men and women who are in the type of dynamic that Condola and Lawrence are in, there is a deep level of distrust of the other person, the other parent because you're kind of sitting there looking at this person like, well, yeah, that's my child's dad, but does he really like, you know, he's not here with the child all the time. Does he really know like what the fuck to do? Does he really know like if, you know, if it's if, if it comes down to some stuff that's in the clutch, is he going to be able to handle this correctly? Is he going to handle the situation correctly? Is any harm going to come to the child? Whatever the case may be. And I would say probably on the other side, like from the men's perspective, it's probably a lot of like, damn, like, you won't even trust me to be there for my child, to raise my child, to be a good parent. Like, how could I be a good parent if you never fucking give me a chance? And those feelings are valid on both sides. Very, 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 very valid on both sides. Um, I just want to make sure I say that because that's, I mean, it's just the truth, right? I will also say this, um, you know, for her, Lawrence had not really been a physical presence the entire time that she was pregnant. So when he comes around and he's finally able to, you know, he's like, he's like, come down this weekend, 
you know, and take the baby. And he mentioned that he was going to be up the street and he, he bought the car seat. He installed it in the rental correctly. He's ready to take little man and go. And, you know, the baby was kind of sick and the baby was kind of fussy, whatever the case was. And she was like, well, I don't know if I should let him go with you in this case, or I don't know if I should let him go with you in this state. And I, those emotions also were um, ones that I have experienced on several occasions before. And I felt that shit really when she said that, because like a lot of the time as a mother, if your child is in distress in any way, whether they're sick or they're just fussy, whatever the case is, you want them right next to you because your mom, your mommy, like I know down to the T what I can do to make my baby girl feel better. She doesn't feel good. I know down to the T how I can calm her down, how I can soothe her, how I can make her boo-boos feel better. Whatever the case is, you know, I know that down to a T. Not saying that the male parent doesn't, or in this case that they don't, but there is a certain level, like, you know, even for me, like my kid is with me at this point now, 100% of the time. That's my child. It's my shit. We, we do shit, you know, we're together every day. I have a routine with her. We're very, very extremely in tune to each other. I know every morning around the time my child's going to wake up. I know around what time in the middle of the night she's going to wake up to go use the potty. I know everything about my child from the top of her head to the tip of her feet. And that's a source of pride for me. That's also, I think, a, a, a major responsibility that I would never let drop because that's my child. That is my little human that I'm totally 100% responsible for making sure she's fine, making sure she's okay. And so when she didn't want to let, when Condola didn't want to let Lawrence take the baby because the baby was fussy and sick, I felt that. I felt that. And I also felt her frustration with like, well, you're not even fucking here, Lawrence. You pop in, you pop out, you pop in, you pop out. You're a dad when you want to be a dad, you know, because, and I think this, this is extremely true with a lot of black fathers. There is this, well, if he's trying, he's trying, well, he's trying to be a dad. He's trying. And for me, I don't have a lot of patience for motherfuckers who try because the thing is, I don't ever get to try. If I fail, nigga, this, everything going to burn up. Everything going to catch on fire. I don't get to try to be a parent. I don't get to try to be a good parent. I don't get to fucking try. I have to produce results. I have to put points on the board every day, 24-7, 365. There is no trying for me. And so I felt that, you know, like when she's like, you're, you're popping in, you're popping out. Like you just pretty much, you like, you know, you won't even give me more than three hours notice if you're not coming. That actually pissed me off. I've definitely experienced that before as well too. But I also will say this, um, Mothers don't get to try. Fathers have been socialized and society has allowed them to be this way because of the way that we gender people. And we, we have all these gendered expectations and stereotypes. Fathers are allowed to think in many instances that they can pretty much pop in and pop out whenever the fuck they want to. And that if a father is trying, whether the trying is, you know, he's putting forth a lot of effort, like 95% effort and he's falling short 5%, or is putting forth 5% effort in, you know, failing 95%, that trying shit, they're like, oh my, well, he's trying. Well, give him some, give him, he's trying. Not to mention, like, you know, there are, there are two new parents here. One gets to try, and one has to fucking succeed every fucking time. Every time. Every time she has to succeed, she cannot let the ball drop. That's why I'm like, you know, a lot of the time I hear that shit, I'm like, I don't give a fuck about a nigga who's trying. I do not. I don't care about somebody who's trying. Because at the end of the day, like, shit, try harder. That's what we, that's what moms do every day. That's what moms have to do. We try all the time. We have to succeed. There is no trying for us. But I also want to say this, moving on. 
I thought the way the episode split the screen and paralleled their lives was really, really cool because what you see with a lot of fathers, fathers have way more mobility in how they get to move. Um, you know, and I experienced something very similar to like, you know, what Condola is experiencing because the father of my child took a job in Oklahoma City and like, you know, and I was like, I was, pa- I panicked when that happened because that source of support that I had, even though I felt like he could have, he always could be doing more, always could have done more, was now taken away from me. And so with her, you know, when they split the screen in the episode and you see her, she's laying on the couch, his alarm pops off. Her alarm is her child crying and waking up. He's at work, popping champagne. She's trying to feed the baby, you know, experiencing lactation issues, uh, trying to make sure he latches on so she can feed him so he can get all the nutrients that he's supposed to get. He's at work. He didn't, you know, secure a deal with new clients. He popping champagne. He goes and pulls his girl. He's, you know, on the bed, fucking her all crazy. You know, she's sitting on, she's like, at this point, I think Condola's like sitting on the toilet, like literally staring into like the abyss, like fucking tired, exhausted. Cause that new motherhood, like, baby, you don't know unless you really know that shit is exhausting. And so she's literally sitting there and like, the baby starts screaming right when the baby's screaming. The woman that Lawrence is having sex with starts screaming because she has an orgasm. And it just did a really good job of paralleling because it made his life look like cake. And it made hers look like fuck. Like she really, it, it did a good job of showing in a parenthood dynamic who often takes the brunt of actually raising the child. And I thought that was fucking genius. So my hat goes off to Issa Rae and Prentice Penny for that because like literally I was watching that and I was like, man, I know so many women, myself included, who have often felt that way, who have felt that way before in the past where you're literally like, God, like I don't have any freedom to do shit. I literally cannot let anything, I can't let the ball drop in anything. I have no, I have no freedom to rest. I have no freedom to do the most basic things I should be able to do for myself. I have no energy, not even that I have no freedom, I have no energy to do any of these things. And then you see Lawrence, they sing a pop of champagne, sing a fucking hose. Like literally, it is, you know, it is uh, really telling about how we think about parents and who has to really be the one to raise the child. I think this season, and I didn't really intend, I, I didn't intend to do this until last episode. But this season, and especially because I'm teaching family theory right now, I really want to dive into what it is like to really be a single mother and the issues that single mothers face. And I think for me and my community, which is going to be a predominantly black community, this is a really huge issue because so many of us have been raised in homes where our mothers were, and not even just, I think black people, because like, I know plenty of people who are like, well, my dad was there, but he wasn't there. Like he was there in the house with us, but he was not, like my mom did everything. My mom did everything. And just talk about motherhood, specifically single motherhood, and how it shapes the lived experiences of mothers, how it places societal expectations on them, what happens when you deter from those norms. Are you rewarded in any way? Are you, are you probably not, are you, you know, punished in any way? I really want to get to the heart of that because I feel in my heart of hearts that that's something that we really got to talk about. We really have to talk about that because as things change, the world continues to expand, there are going to be a lot of single mothers. What type of expectations do we place in them? Like what, what does it mean to be a single mother and to be a full-time employee with someone? Who like, does the job that you have, the work that you do, are, are they, 
Do they value what you have to do? Do they value your time? Do they value your life? Do they value the responsibilities that you have and the things that you can't let drop? I talk a lot about juggling those, those balls, like are they glass balls or they rubber balls? And of course, your family, your child is never a rubber ball. It's always going to be a glass ball that you could never let drop. Ah, oh, lots and lots of feelings. Um, what I will say about Lawrence, because he's not a total fuck nigga, right? But what I will say about him is that, you know, I liked how it kept showing him. It kept showing this scene of him. First off, he goes and he buys the crib and he puts it together and he buys everything. And he's like excited. He's like smiling while, he, while he's doing it. He smiles when he sees his child. He's a father now. He has a little boy and he's happy. He's happy to be a father. He doesn't exactly know what the fuck he's doing because he hasn't really had a chance. He hasn't taken the chance to be there, nor has he really been given a chance to be there um, from the very gate, right? And I think Princess Penny actually tweeted this. He said, you know, Condola essentially said in the very beginning that she wanted to do this alone and that he didn't have to be there. So he wanted to challenge that notion. And they did a really good job of doing that because what they did was they showed how he hasn't been there, but they also showed how hard that's been for her and how she need, she needs help. Like all single mothers, whether, whether it's traditional, conventional help with the father or, you know, your family members are the case, all parents need a village of people that they can depend upon. That's why mom groups, which I always laughed at because none of my friends have moms. Motherhood is extremely fucking lonely. And I'm going to dedicate an entire podcast to that. Motherhood is like... Let me say that again. Motherhood is extremely lonely. It is lonely, especially if all your friends and the people that you're closest to also do not have children. Motherhood is lonely. It is lonely. It is. Ain't no getting away from that. We can start, we can, you know, you can say what you want to. Motherhood is lonely. It really fucking is. Um, what else do I want to say? What else do I want to say? Oh, back to what I was saying about. They keep showing Lawrence and they keep flashing back to him in this scene where he's like, he keeps looking at the crib and they show this like, I want to say like three or four times throughout the episode where he's looking at the crib. And the very last times after they do that split screen, they parallel what her life is like at the moment, what his life is like at the moment. He's trending upward. He's making strides at work. He pulling bad bees and stuff. She's, you know, basically stuck in like, you know, this space where she's just literally like struggling to get through her daily responsibilities of being a new mother to a newborn. And um, I thought it was really cool how they take the episode and they end it. And that parallel, you know, he sits down and he starts to, in some in some shape, form or fashion, I don't know what the, they don't really like go into that whole lot, but he has some type of realization where he's like, you know, I need to be there for her. I am in a completely different city. I'm a father now. I need to be there for her. He has some type of realization that he needs to be helping her, that she has this huge burden on her and that he needs to be there for her. And he sits down and he's like sitting there and he's looking at the crib again and he picks up his phone and he texts her. And her, and I can only imagine she being super exhausted, probably frustrated as fuck and everything else. She picks up her phone and responds to him and they, you know, like he calls her. I know he doesn't text her. He calls her. They're on the phone and, you know, like, so like, basically this shit isn't working. It's not working. Like, what do we do at this point? How do we move forward from this? How do we get to a space and a place where you can continue being an awesome mother 
I can be an awesome father and I can step up and I can help you the way that you need to be helped. And that was beautiful to me because for a lot of single moms, that shit never happens. Um, and I think it just really did a great job of showing like how real that exhaustion is for mothers and how mothers really do need help. They need help. Um, if you have a father that's willing to help consistently and help the way that he's supposed to and help in a way that is conducive to the child to explore your options and allowing that to happen. Um, and also just generally speaking, what it looks like to ultimately surrender those feelings and be like, look, like I can't do this alone. I do need help because um, it's really hard. And parenthood, I know we have parents who choose to be single, but parenthood is really fucking hard to do by yourself, especially if you're not super fucking wealthy and you don't have all the resources in the world. You can hire nannies and hire childcare. And even then, it's still hard. Even when you have all the resources in the world, if you are a single parent, that shit is really hard. Um, I can't stress that enough. It's just really, really, really hard. It's doable. We see moms do it all the time. We see moms do it successfully. God continues just to keep most of us and just continue to pour into us and watch out over us and make sure our children and all the things that we're doing reach fruition. But it is really difficult to do. Um, and my hat, I, you know, I, as a single mother who's friends with some other single mothers now and was essentially raised by a single mother from the time I was nine and on up, um, it's really hard. And my hat goes off to you. And my hat goes off to Condola because this is really trying and she's doing the very fucking best that she can. And I think that um, as we continue to all engage with this show and watch this show and, you know, take it all in, that we need to very, you know, very critically look at these characters and watch how we talk about them. Because Condola is not real, but your friend that's a single mom who's experiencing baby daddy drama and shit, she's real. Your friend that just had a baby and even if she has a husband or a boyfriend, somebody who's there for her and she's fucking tired all the time, she's real. She's exhausted. She needs help. She needs somebody to talk to. She needs somebody that can, you know, be there for her. Um, you know, those, are, those, those emotions that moms feel, that nervousness you feel with leaving your baby with anybody, whether it's their father, a relative, somebody that you deeply, deeply trust, leaving them, your baby alone for the first time, that shit is real. Those emotions are very, very real. And unless you've experienced that, you have no place to judge. Truly, you don't. Um, I also want to say this about Lawrence. I didn't like how he said to her, how you blew my life up. Um, because the thing is this, when there's a baby being made and there's a baby made, everybody, like, <laughs> you can't make a baby alone, right? Like, you, whatever the case was, y'all had sex. Was it, I don't know if the condom broke or y'all y'all was fucking raw, whatever the case is. But anytime you have sex, and I tell this to my freshmen, I teach high school. I tell this to my kids all the time, and I'm going to tell this to my daughter. When you lay down with someone, whether you use protection, whatever the case is, you need to be 110% ready for whatever comes from that. From whatever comes from that, you need to be 110% ready because condoms, even birth control, I don't care. You, I'm, on the best, shit, I'm on the best birth control money can fucking buy, baby. You'd be hard pressed to get Celeste Graham pregnant right now 
But let me tell you, nothing is 100% effective. So when you're having sex with somebody and you're not taking precautions, or even if you are taking precautions, that's why it's so important to trust and to have a relationship with the people that you're actually having sex with. I, you know, I'm all for hoe culture, but bitch, hoe safely, first and foremost. And at the end of the day, be prepared for whatever comes from that situation, because things will always inevitably come from you having a sexual relationship, whether it's pregnancy, you know, it could be something minor, like shit, your pH balance gets thrown off a little bit and it could be nothing. You can go to the doctor, like you don't have anything, whatever the case is, whatever consequences come from you having sex, you have to be prepared for that as adults. And I tell this, you know, I'm, I, I often have this conversation with, with children, teenagers, but, um, you know, he said that to her and it's like, well, no, because when you was in it, you was enjoying it. And if you was in it raw, you was definitely enjoying it. And so when you got her pregnant, it is what it is. Like she's pregnant now. She wants to have the baby. Be prepared. Be prepared. Be prepared. Um, Did I have anything else that I wanted to say in regard to this? Um, Cash up a single mama. Cash up a mama, period. Mothers. God. It's such a massive responsibility, y'all. It's such a massive, massive, massive responsibility um, that I can't even stress enough to you. Like, if you have friends that are single moms, check on them. Real talk. Check on them. That's all I have to say. Um, I want to, next episode, which what is today? It is the ninth. Next episode, I want to talk about single motherhood and how lonely it is. Um, and this has been a really cathartic experience for me, just having these conversations with y'all and recording these conversations and putting them out for a broader audience. Because at the end of the day, first and foremost, I am a lot of things. I'm a mom, I'm a bad bitch, I'm a scholar, uh, about to be a doctor, God willing, here in the next year and a half, or hopefully sooner. I gotta get my shit together with my dissertation. Um, I'm a teacher, an educator, I'm an activist, an advocate, but I'm a fighter. And I will always fight for every single part of my identity and fight for the most marginalized groups of people on the earth, which single mothers are definitely. You know, I often think about my existence. I'm like, you know, God made me a woman. God made me a black woman. God made me a dark-skinned woman. God made me a woman with fabulously nappy-ass 4C hair. God gave me a little dark-skinned little girl. God made me into a single mother. God has given me so many different things that society shuns and hates. And I walk in fucking pride with every step about who I am and about all the things I can do, about my potential, about the potential I'm pouring into my daughter. Because I'm all those things, right? But I'm also very, very capable and I will continue to use my voice to fight for the most marginalized people because I have a voice and because when I speak, people listen. Y'all have a good one. See y'all in two weeks.